Computer, initialize Holosuite. where we analyze, discuss, and review randomly selected Star Trek episode. My name is Matt, and I'll be your host for this edition of RTR here in the library, and I'm joined with my good friend Andrew, who will be speaking to us from the other side of a time portal, sometime in Earth's distant past. Andrew, where, uh, I mean, when are you? Well, Matt, I am in uh, 15th century Scotland, and I'm just sitting down for a lovely cup of tea with Mary Queen of Scots. Oh, that sounds delightful. Yeah. The only thing more delightful would be sitting down for a nice cup of tea with you to talk about some randomly randomly selected Star Trek episodes. Maybe we can do both. Well, maybe indeed. Maybe we can. So, uh... This week, uh, we're, we're going to talk about uh, some original series, uh, one of the later episodes of the series called All Our Yesterdays. Uh, but before we get into it, why don't, we, why don't you give me a, a score on my recall, which was uh, not very good? Um, well, you know what? I mean, this is a tough one. I feel like Star Trek is kind of littered with yesterdays, tomorrow, and you know, time travel episodes. It's easy to get them jumbled. Uh, if I look at the things that you said, you did pick up on the time travel thing, which is, um, you know, with the word yesterday, that's maybe a little bit of, of a gimme, but still, you got it. Um, it wasn't Earth. No. Nope. See, that's that's a, a, a big old uh, family feud X across the screen. <laughs> Um, they weren't trying to change history or anything like that. Um, McCoy is, he, he didn't use the not a doctor line, which you had predicted. One of the few episodes where he didn't. Um, uh, Kirk does get into a, a, bit, a couple of tussles, actually. If you had said sword fight, then that might have been better. Um, but it wasn't a classic, you know, the big two-hand axe handle or anything like that. So I'm thinking this is going to be a one-star week. Uh, just for the time travel and for a couple of the, the bits and pieces. But yeah, this is a tough one. I think that uh, there's just so many time traveling episodes, right? And like you said, you didn't really watch a ton of the original series, so it makes it kind of tough. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to give you uh, one, uh, let's see, what am I going to make it out of? Let's make it one Atabacrons out of five. Atabacrons, good, good. <laughs> it's a good word. It's a good word. I don't yeah. think it means anything, but hey. Sounds cool. So yes, one Atavacron uh, out of five. Well, since I hadn't even seen this one before, um, one is better than none. So. Yeah, that's exactly right. You so know, I sometimes, will... sometimes you got to throw baloney at the wall, and one of these times <laughs> the baloney will stick, and it will be a glorious four out of five, even though you've never seen it. The time travel baloney stuck. Mm -hmm. The rest did not. It fell to the floor. Yeah. All right, so this, this is... Uh, all Our Yesterdays, it is uh, the original series, Season 3, Episode 23, which makes it the penultimate episode of the series, or in other words, the second last. So it's uh, very late in the uh, in the run. On the TV side, yeah. This is kind of like... Uh, some of it, there, there's a couple of things that actually, we'll talk about a little bit later, but there are a couple of things that kind of indicate that it's at the end of the run, too. Yes. Uh, originally aired on March 14th, 1969, it guest stars Ian Wolfe as Mr. Atos, or Atos, Marriott Hartley as Zarabeth, Kermit Murdoch as the prosecutor, Johnny Hamer as the constable, Ed Bakey as first fop, Al Cavins as second fop, Anna Karen as a woman, and Stan Barrett as a jailer. So some, some interesting uh, characters in this, uh, this episode. It was written by Jean Lizette Eros D and directed by Marvin J. Chomsky. So uh, those aren't really well-known names. Like I don't really recognize them. So no, me neither. I mean, uh, my knowledge of like '60s TV is pretty limited. But I think that Star Trek is kind of known for using kind of character actors, like people who, if you watch TV throughout the '60s, you probably see these people show up. 
all the time. You know what I mean? Like they'd be on Green Acres and they'd show up on the Jeffersons and they'd show up in all these different things. But like, um, yeah, you don't necessarily know them by face or by name. You know, it's just kind of by feel. And yeah, for me, I didn't really didn't really know anybody here. Yeah, it's like in the early '90s. Like you watch TNG and you watch all those guest characters and they show up on. Seinfeld and, and various right. other yeah so right I'm you sure. couldn't name them but you're like oh I know that's whoever right yeah it's Putty but I don't know that actor right yeah and I'm sure it's, it was the same in the sixties uh, let's get to to a quick synopsis here so that we all know what's going on just in case you didn't manage to uh, watch it or you've forgotten the Enterprise arrives at the planet Sarpedon to warn its residents that its son is about to go supernova. Kirk, Spock, and McCoy beam down to discover there is no one there except for a librarian named Mr. Atos. Mr. Atos shows them a machine called the Atavacron, a time portal into the planet's past. The landing party hears a woman scream, and Kirk runs through the portal, emerging in a period similar to 17th century Earth. McCoy and Spock go after Kirk and find themselves in Sar- Sarpedon's last ice age. They can't return, although they are able to speak to each other, and Spock is able to surmise that they have been transported to the planet's past. Kirk assists the woman who screamed, but in the process is accused of witchcraft after talking to Spock and McCoy. Kirk is imprisoned and then visited by the prosecutor, who appears uncomfortable at the mention of the Atavacron. Kirk attempts to escape, and the prosecutor confirms that he too is from the future and helps Kirk to find his way back to the portal and back to the present. McCoy and Spock seek shelter in the middle of a blizzard and end up following a mysterious figure in a fur coat into a cave. She reveals herself to be a beautiful woman named Zarabeth, who was banished to the past after being involved in an assassination plot against a tyrannical leader. Spock begins acting strangely, showing annoyance at not being able to find a way back to the present, developing romantic feelings towards Zarabeth, and then eventually attacking Dr. McCoy. Back at the library, Atos tries to force Kirk back into the portal, but Kirk is able to force him into helping him find Spock and McCoy. They are able to find them, and Atos jumps through the portal himself once they return. The landing party is beamed up just in the nick of time, and the Enterprise is able to escape before Sarpedon's son goes Nova. Alright, why don't we start with uh, just a quick you know, minute or so uh, impression of uh, what the episode, what we thought of the episode. Uh, Why don't you start? So this is the first time I've seen it. Um, I thought it was pretty good. It was enjoyable um, as, you know, new Trek tends to be, right? Like I hadn't seen this one before, so it was kind of cool to go to see a new episode and everything like that. Um, It's a little bit of a head scratcher Um, when we get to the plot and stuff like that. There are some things about it that I kind of had a hard time following. Um, and some things that are kind of, I guess, taken as like liberties, you know, Spock kind of starts going back to being more primitive, but McCoy doesn't, um, you know, this is kind of like one of those things where I think if you were a, you know, time travel purist that you'd hate this because I think it breaks a lot of like how time travel works, like in terms of physics and things like that. So, um, there's some stuff about that, that I think, uh, we should get into, but I I thought it was okay. Um, I think that. It was kind of like a bunch of ideas that were just kind of like duct taped together and made into a show. Um, but it doesn't really, it doesn't really have like a, a huge ton, amount of rewatchability for me. Like I don't think I'm going back and watching this one all that often, um, or maybe ever again. Uh, but I was happy to have watched it. So um, that's kind of where I sit. How about you? Yeah, I, I feel kind of similar. Um, I, I've been sort of working my way through the original series the last. I don't know, maybe two or three months, and um, it it's you know it, it it's watchable. It was it was okay, um, but as far as like a, I would sort of say it's like a sort of typical original series episode that wasn't great but wasn't bad, and yeah. um, you know the, it had kind of a, you know the time travel is always kind of interesting because it kind of makes you think. But this one this one was a little bit. Um, I don't know, it was, like, there's no really explanation of how this time portal works, which, you know, it's like... Yeah, it kind of takes some mistakes away. Yeah. I think that the interesting thing was that they were sending people back to past times because, like, their planet wasn't going to exist anymore, so that's kind of, like, a cool thing, but you're only really getting it in, like, little tiny pieces and and patches, and you don't really understand, like, 
what was that process like? Who was this guy who's like orchestrating it all? And then she seems to have been sent back as a punishment, but then that other guy, the, the person from the 17th century, like the judge or whatever, he he wanted to go there, but not really. Like there's there's a lot of holes here, and we'll talk about them as we go through. But yeah, I think that's kind of what hurt it in the long run. Yeah, I mean there was interesting aspects to it, but overall I would say like it was it was an okay episode. Now uh, normally we we talk about the first time we watched, but I don't think that's really necessary because you know we both watched it for the first yeah, time the first, in the last yeah. you know little while, so. Um, uh, maybe we'll just skip that and uh, go into some of the, the background and, and development uh, of the story. Now, there isn't really a whole lot uh, here, although there is. Um, there, there was uh, the original story was quite a bit different, and maybe you know maybe we can sort of talk about what that might have been like. The the original story was that Spock and McCoy, instead of being stranded in an ice age, were in a desert, uh, and McCoy was was dying. And there was no, like, Zarebeth was not even a character in the episode. Um, and then Kirk was trapped in a period resembling San Francisco's Barbary Coast. And uh, he encountered another time traveler who, uh, destroy, who in the end destroyed the time portal. Um, and it, it, I guess, crumbled into dust for some reason. So, uh, I don't know, that might have been made it a little bit, it certainly would have been a, a little different, I think. I think it would be different, I don't think better. No, no I, I, like desert with ice storm, like I like the Arctic is a desert, right? Like isn't that kind of one of those like sciencey things where like something about cold, cold scent seems more like dangerous. Like it's worse to freeze to death than to dehydrate. Um, so yeah. I don't necessarily think that would have added anything. I thought the Zarabeth thing was kind of like one of the cooler parts, and obviously adds like a little bit of like sexiness to the episode. So if you take that part out, I think it's worse. Mm-hmm. And then Kirk and San Francisco, like they've gone to San Francisco a million. Right? Like, that's just where they film the show. So, like, anytime they need to do something, it's, like, either Los Angeles, San Francisco, or, like, you know, Redwood Forest or something. Like, I feel like they've just done that a million times. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think that adds anything. I think that that sounds actually kind of worse. Yeah, I mean, there would have been no opportunity to have the cool, like, makeup with them, like, you know, those little frosty things on their that's face, That's exactly right? right. Like, that, like... <laughs> Uh, Christmas tree spray just like on your face um yeah I don't know I don't I don't think that that sounds like it adds too too much uh, but it is always kind of interesting I mean it's hard to get good dirt on these old episodes because they didn't yeah. really write the books and the you know uh audio video guides that go along with like the new shows now and like all the interviews and stuff that actors and actresses and producers and art people have to go through like if you were doing a discovery episode you could probably find a million hours worth of footage to watch on every single little detail about it but these old ones it's kind of like you know you're finding stuff that people said at like comic cons and like you know old uh scripts and stuff like i don't know i think that uh it's just hard to dig up stuff in the older episodes yeah it's true now the one other little kind of tidbit of information that we were able to dig up about this is that the author of the episode uh, was a librarian at UCLA when she wrote the episode, and I think that's maybe why the sort of beginning part was in a library. Yeah, Jean Lisette Arosette, um Shockingly, it's about like libraries and like going into the books, like in the actual time in which the the book discs existed. Um, not surprisingly, I think she wrote one other episode I read, um, an, a TOS episode called uh, "Is There Is There No Truth Is There Truth in No No Truth in Beauty?" Is that an episode? Maybe. I don't remember. Is there in truth no beauty? Is there in truth no beauty? I don't really remember that one. No, I I don't. I, I kind of just jotted it down pointlessly. But yeah, she apparently wrote two episodes of TV her whole career. They were both Star Trek. It was this one and "Is There in Truth No Beauty?" So. Hmm. Um, interesting anyway I don't remember that one so hopefully it, it, that one will come up when you pull it guaranteed we'll pick it tomorrow this time this time through yeah well let's get into the the meat of the episode here the the major things that uh, took place that we thought are, were, are worth talking about so the first thing uh, fleeing into the past to avoid Armageddon now, now that's kind of an interesting way of like avoiding disaster right you know, let's let's just go through a time portal into the past and, and we'll, we'll live out our lives in the past. Yeah, it's an interesting idea. So um, the sun's going to go supernova and 
the Enterprise knows that it's going to be like two hours until it like runs out of fuel and blows up, which I don't really think that's, I don't think that's actually possible. I think it doesn't really work that way, like that like precise. But um, it, the, the interesting thing is, is like going back into time, in time in order to do this. And like, could you just keep doing this? So every time that you're like star is going to go supernova then you just go back in time or is it like one of those things where like should they just all go back like a million years and then work on like leaving you know like group all their resources together and like try to figure out like a solution to the problem um but that's the thing that i think is is not figured out well enough in the episode it's because it's not as if you know you go and you say, well, you know what, this, the planet's done. I want to go back to 15th century Scotland. I want to go back to like the Renaissance or I want to go back to the 2000s, whatever it is. It's like, they just kind of seem like they sent people off to random times. Like, but then Mr. Atog's guy says that he's meeting up with like his family as well. So like they they didn't do enough explanation of how it was going to work. Yeah. Like Atos was kind of like, at the beginning he's like he thought that they were like people from the planet right and he's like you need to get ready you need to get ready and they're like what are you talking about and he's like here find a disc and pick a pick a pick a place to go and and yeah they didn't really yeah that was kind of the the, one of the weak points in the episode i think is that they didn't really explain there's no rhyme and reason to it right like that that the the prosecutor guy like had chose to go to that time but well, or, or did he choose? Was he, like, told to go there? Like, right. You know, it was kind of, yeah, it was kind of a weird... And I think this is, like, one of those, like, philosophical things that always comes up where people say, like, I was born in the wrong time. Like, I should have been born, like, in medieval times. It'd be so sweet. No, it wouldn't have been. Like, it would have been terrible, right? Like, you know, if you could go back in time to medieval times and you were, like, dying of the plague at, like, 30, like, no, that sucks. Like... <laughs> You know, I feel like most of the people in this planet, if they could have decided, they should have just been like 100 years in the past. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Just, I want all the tech. I want all the most recent, like, you know, food and all the best kind of stuff. I just don't want to be like supernova. So like, that would be probably where most people would be. I don't know how many people really want to go to like the 17th century or like that woman, like she didn't pick to go to the ice age. Well, she didn't pick. She she was was punished because she was in prison or something. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah, it was an interesting sort of idea of like how to how you can get away from a disaster, but it, it kind of doesn't really make a whole. They didn't really explain it, and so it doesn't really make that much sense. Right, I think it's like you said, it's a great idea, but the execution was just kind of like a little bit too. And this is the problem actually with a lot of the original series stuff is some. It's got to be about Kirk, Spock, McCoy, right? And because it's about them kind of getting lost, they don't really set up the world and they don't set up a lot of the other stuff that probably would have been a better story, right? If they were just kind of like the side characters visiting this planet, it would have been better. Since we're on the topic of things that don't really make a whole lot of sense, uh, Captain Kirk uh, recorded a log entry while in a jail cell. Um, In the past. In the past. Yeah. I mean, this... This is getting kind of nitpicky, and I mean, we understand that the captain's log is just like a way to move the plot along, yeah. but... But who, was he writing this on paper? Like, if, he had, <laughs> if it was, if it was like the next-gen communicator badges, maybe they have like a record button on the back. And maybe. You, but, th- but even then, it's kind of like, who are you recording this for, you know? It's like a little bit too, like, get that exposition out. Yeah. Let's, let's go, yeah. I, I noticed that it was kind of like, I don't, what are you doing? Like, this doesn't make any sense, but... Well, since, uh, over the course of going through the original series, I've noticed that occasionally they do record logs in, like, really weird situations. Like, we're walking along the sidewalk, and then all of a sudden we decide, oh, I'm going to stop and, you know, record a log entry. Right. Or, or other similar situations that don't really make sense. Right. And you know what? I guess maybe at the time it was kind of one of those things where people just didn't really care. But when you go back and you start nitpicking and stuff like that, it does kind of like, it's a bit of a head scratcher. Although, I mean, Kirk's entire story in this episode is like a bit of a head scratcher. Like it's, it's pretty bizarre. Again, I think it's like a bunch of like ideas that are pieced together that are not really flushed out. Yeah, that was sort of the next thing we were going to talk about. Kirk's, the whole Kirk story, it just seemed a little odd to me. I mean, he sort of walks into this really bizarre situation where this, you know, this woman is in trouble and he tries to help her out. And in, in the process, he like 
incriminates himself, and then there's also the, the you know he, the people hear the voice of Spock and McCoy talking to him after they get through the portal, and they're like, oh, he's a witch, he's a witch, and so he ends up. Yeah, it's too many things, right? It's like, yeah. is he? Is it the witch thing? Is it the sword fight thing? Is it the you know running and saving the damsel thing? Like they're trying to do too many things at one time. And I gotta admit, like I even said before, I was a little bit just kind of like, "What? What's going on? Like, what are we doing?" And then the, he's having the trial, and he's meeting with the guy who's like the king, and then he's trying to break out. And it's like there's kind of too many things at work. And again, I think it's because it comes down to they didn't set up that whole how it all works. Like, how is he even talking to somebody in another time period because the time portal is there? And also, like, the time portal was just a wall, like. You know, yeah. does a dog walk through and just accidentally go into it? Like, end up in the library? Like, it didn't it? What didn't make enough sense in terms of the way they set it up? Yeah, and I mean, it didn't help. But like, the the prosecutor character was like, he, he had that goofy wig, which didn't really make it any better. Because yeah. you look at that and it's like, what is going on here? Like, what is this guy all about? And then, and then Kirk, you know, discovers that he's actually also from the future and has come back, and which is a cool idea. Right to meet another future person, but again, it's the execution. It's kind of like they found it out too late, and it just kind of a slap together. Well, and then there's like that whole thing where he was like the the prosecutor's like he was all made uncomfortable as soon as Kirk mentioned that uh, the the what was it called the atabacron, and he was all like all uncomfortable, and then he just sort of all of a sudden decides, well, you know what, I'm just I'm gonna help you get back. Yeah, like were you not supposed to talk about it? Like again, the rules, right? Like it's like pro wrestling. If you don't have rules then what are you doing? You know, like yeah. you have to have an established set of rules. Otherwise people don't know like what you're doing, where you're going. What, what are the boundaries here? Right? Like, yeah, he kind of does a one eighties. He kind of gives the weird look. And then, but see, that makes me think that they sent everybody to a different time because mm-hmm. the fact that you ran into another future person makes me think that they, Oh, like that's shocking. Well, that means that every single person went to a different time. But then that Atos guy said that he was meeting up with his family and his kids and all. It's just too many holes. Yeah, there's a lot of holes. But the one nice thing about Kirk's plan, uh, story was the escape, which yes, I thought was great. Yeah, it's great. Um, you know, he, he he does the classic old, holds out his, like, soup bowl, and the guy comes to feed him, and he sort of, like, makes it, brings it closer and closer and closer yeah. until the guy just gets too close, and finally he just, like, reaches through the bars and gives the guy in a headlock or whatever and, and I you know I thought that was a pretty cool inter- you know I thought it was a fun scene and yeah it's, it's very 60s it actually reminds me of, there's like a scene in Goldfinger where like Bond is captured and he's in a prison cell and he's trying to get out and he goes up to the door and he waves at the guard then he goes away then he goes back up and he like winks at the guard and he goes away and he does it and the third time he goes up and he kind of like sinks below and the, the guard can't handle the like you know what's going on and he of course opens up the door gets clubbed boom behind and away like 60s escapes were were so much more ingenious than like uh, current day escapes it's so much funnier yeah and i mean, <laughs> and I mean it's classic kirk too like he's he completely yeah. overpowers the guy even though the guy's like you know he's yeah. supposed to be guarding him it was yeah it, it was a i mean that was like a rare piece of gold in the whole kirk story in this episode yeah, definitely yeah. now the next thing that sort of came up throughout the episode was this whole preparation thing. And again, this is maybe another hole in the whole time portal thing, but there, the, at the beginning, Atos was talking about, Oh, you have to choose your place so that you can be prepared to go through the portal. And then it sort of came up a few other times about how like you're supposed to be like physiologically altered or whatever, when you go through the time portal. And if you aren't, then you're able to go back. Right. And if you are, then you can't go back. Yeah. So I actually kind of like that. So again, this is not something that has come up in other like time travel stuff that I can think of. And again, it only comes up in here just kind of as like a convenient plot twist as to like why she can't come back, but they can. But they're also like, you know, ranking up the, uh, you know, severity of it because they're on a limited amount of time. If you go and you don't come back right away, then you're going to die and stuff like that. The preparation thing was interesting, but again, I think that um, it wasn't it wasn't really explained. Like the preparation, you don't need to go into like the nitty gritty of it, but um, that that actually, you know, what? I've changed my mind. That actually probably was the one thing that kind of they set it up early on that you need to be prepared, and then it paid off a little bit later. So that one was actually not too bad in comparison to some of the other stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, a bit more of an explanation would have been good, but I mean, it, 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 I mean, it's convenient for what the, the, the plot is about, right? right? I mean, it, like you said, it sort of gives them a, it puts them under the gun because, like, you know, they have like a few hours before they have to go back, mm-hmm. and, you know, it, it explains why they can go, but other people can't go back. Right, and so. it actually might even explain the portal thing, like why, like, some random person doesn't just like bump into the wall and fall into the portal, because maybe like after. A certain amount of time you can't be changed or something yeah yeah no i was I, I mean i just sort of made i made a lot of notes about it as we were watching because it kept coming up and i guess that was sort of the one thing they were consistent with in this episode and i mean it would have been nice to have a little bit more explanation of what it was all about but consistent in this episode but never brought up in any other yeah, stuff again right? yeah, yeah so <laughs> interesting in that way yeah which i mean that happens all the time in star trek so yeah you just kind of forget about it yeah Hey, Andrew here, and I just wanted to say thanks for listening to Random Trek Review. Uh, If you want to get some more Star Trek goodness, then make sure to check out the RTR blog at randomtrekreview.blogspot.com. You can also find us on social media, iTunes by searching for Random Trek Review, Twitter by searching at Rando Trek Review, and Instagram at Random Trek Review. Or if you just want to use the old style way of emailing questions comments or just gripes in general then feel free to drop us a line at randomtrekreview at gmail.com now the sort of one of the major points in this episode is um spock because he's gone back five thousand years he reverts to a uh a vulcan like how a vulcan would be five thousand years in the past and so he goes into this like primeval or primal vulcan thing where he's all emotional and he's you know a bit quick to anger and and whatnot and and i mean this to me was like the most memorable part of the episode and i think you know anyone who's watched it would probably agree i mean that's the 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 whole almost the whole point i think um yeah i agree again though i just don't know about if this is like the right way slash like the right time to do it right like i think that it's a good idea but they don't do it with McCoy, right? Like, because if you think about human history, if you took a human and you, you know, put them back 5,000 years, even at the point of this is in the future, right? Like, that's not the same. I mean, it'd be, it, they would be more barbaric and they would be more, you know, like lustful and stuff like that too. But you don't see it with McCoy. You don't see it with Kirk, although I guess Kirk's in the 17th, their 17th century, where maybe it was as far back or something. But, yeah. Um, and also, like, the woman that they sent back she didn't change at all. Like, she wasn't more primal because she went back. Like, she can still speak and stuff like that. So, it's a good idea. But again, just there's just there's too many little holes that are kind of nitpicky. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. So, you like that part, though? Yeah. And, I mean, to, to get back to McCoy a little bit, I mean, the question I wrote down here is, uh, should McCoy have turned into a caveman? Yeah, exactly, right? right? Like, and, and... shouldn't he have gone back as well? And he doesn't. He's exactly yeah. the same. Yeah, it, it, it's unfortunate. I mean, it would have been kind of interesting to see how, like, a caveman and a primal Vulcan would have, like, interacted with each other. Well, there, there's an episode, right? Like, <laughs> may, maybe that would have been better to kind of hone in. Again, I think that the, the downside to this episode is just that they're bouncing around between too many different things, right? Yeah. And, and the fact that it's the second to last episode, it almost gives me kind of a feeling like they were like, well, shoot, we're running out of time. Like, let's just, we'll just do all the rest of the ideas that we have, you know? which I don't know if it works. <laughs> Yeah. Now, the one thing that I thought was kind of was interesting about this was that it was very subtle. It wasn't like sudden. It wasn't like he's Mr. Logical and rational and then all of a sudden he just loses it. You know, like it was pretty yeah. subtle. Like the first the first thing that I noticed was he made like a very like he made a very subtle kind of sarcastic uh, mm-hmm. remark. And then there was that scene where he, he he gets really visibly frustrated. He's trying to like work through the logic of getting out of this scenario this predicament that they found themselves in and he just can't get there and he's just like i don't understand why i can't logically figure out how to get out of this you know and yeah, it was great performance by leonard Nimoy. like and like you said the subtleness makes it seem like you know something about that preparation if you don't do it then it like slowly degrades the way that your like mind works and stuff like that like that part was kind of cool um but then I, on the flip side of that i didn't really like how when he went back through the portal it snapped back straight away 
Mm, yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah, like, as soon as he goes back, and I think McCoy even asks him, like, are you going to be all right? He's like, yeah, yeah, fine, whatever, let's go. Like, yeah. that part, I feel like, again, it, maybe they're at the end of the episode, but, um, I, yeah, I feel like they, it should have been kind of the same thing, right? Like, there's some, like, after effects. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, and then he gets, like, like, he gets to a point where he just, like, full out, physically, like, goes after McCoy and, like, you know, chokes him out and everything, and it was... Pretty. Yeah, that part was cool. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, and then and I mean, he he also there's the whole uh, show of affection towards Zarabeth, and I mean, it gets right to a point where he just like goes and kisses her and all that, and that was very uh, un unspock like. It was almost shocking to see that. Yeah, it, it was cool. I actually feel like I've seen that like in montages and stuff. Like you see people on YouTube, they put like together a big montage of Star Trek clips and stuff like that. I feel like I've seen that like Spock kissing somebody and I never really was like when was that right but that makes sense now um yeah it, it's 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 cool to see these kind of characters in a different thing um do you think this is like better or worse than like basically doing the same thing but like on a holodeck you know what I mean like because I feel like you've you've seen similar things like characters out of character because they're on the holodeck and they're playing a part and stuff like that is this better or worse I think it's probably better because it's like real. Like this is right. this is it's not the holodeck. It's like this is real life. Like this is actually happening, and it's real people. It's not holograms. So I would right. say that yeah, it's pretty. I, I thought. I mean, I, this is the one sort of good part of the episode. I think is is this whole Spock and Zarabeth thing because it was it was it seemed pretty pretty real to me. Yeah, and I mean, do you think that when she tries to get him to stay with her, like, did you was there ever any doubt? <laughs> Was there doubt that he would? I, that he would well, stay? I I thought there there were certain points where I was like, man, he's he's not gonna want to go back. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's Star Trek, so you you know that he's been, they're gonna end up on the ship and flying away. But yeah, they they did a good job of kind of making you feel like you know he may not go doubt, right. Yeah, he yeah doesn't, or he's not gonna want to. Like he's gonna get pushed, you know, against his will, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Now the the Spock Zarabeth thing, like that's that's you know main part of the episode the best part yeah like what what do you think about Zarabeth like she was being a bit you know deceitful and and I think she was like trying to manipulate him into staying a little bit because she didn't tell she didn't tell them right away that they were, were able to go back even though she in the end she actually knew that they could yeah I mean in fairness if you get sent back in time to like the ice age where you're the only person that lives there and you have to wear like a leather loincloth and like a bear skin like a, like rug as a coat <laughs> and somebody shows up you probably don't want them to leave either so I kind of gave gave her that right like I, I understood the rationale behind it um, just because like you'd be lonely and stuff like that I mean and that's also just assuming that like you have to concede that this like tiny skinny woman is like living in the ice age with like no food no water like you know the only clothes seems to come from some sort of bear or something right like the fact that somebody could survive by themselves for that long is um you know pretty impressive but then yeah like that she's also not psychologically messed up by the time they get there but then again they don't say how long she's been there right so that's true there i like the character i like all that stuff but again i wanted just a bit more meat as to like you know rather than a couple of throwaway lines like oh i was like part of like an assassination plot so i got sent here well when like how have you been surviving like did they prepare you by like giving you training on how to live in these this area where you just sent here to die and you like survived against all odds like there's just not enough stuff but I get it, right? The whole thing is that she's just supposed to be the eye candy for Spock for when he goes back to his primal thing, right? So do you think that her being alone would be... Like, I guess what I'm trying to get at here is do you think that she's, like, a bad person or do you think that it's just strictly... She's been there by herself for so long that she would just do anything to have someone stay with her? Because, I mean, it's kind of... I think it's kind of interesting to, to, to speculate because, I, I mean, that's something that I was trying to figure out myself no, I don't think she's a bad person. I think that, like, anybody who spends any kind of time alone eventually kind of gets to the spot. Like, even regular people. You, you know, you go a weekend without, you know, you sit in your apartment, all, then somebody goes to drop off the pizza. Hey, man, how's it going? You know, like, uh, how about, uh, you know, how about that local sports team, eh? Like, you know, people get lonely, right? People are inherently, like, very, um, 
social beings, right? Even even the most introverted people like don't really like being alone for super long periods of time. So I don't think she's a bad person. I think okay. she's just lonely and she's like, hey, like, <laughs> what are the odds of more people getting sent here? Like, I gotta hold on to these two, like, uh, like grim death. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's fair. Um, I mean, I kind of, I, I've kind of sort of bounced back and forth about, you know, maybe she's just a bad person who is selfish and will do, but I, I think you're probably right. If you're, if you're a, in a frozen wasteland for that long by yourself yeah. and someone else shows up outside your cave door, you're probably not going to want them disappearing without putting up a bit of a fight. Yeah, and I mean, that's yeah, another thing that's interesting too is that like, you know who is the villain in this in this episode right like i don't think it's atos he's just sending people back in time she's i don't think she is she's just lonely and then in the 17th century kind of bit like the judge kind of ends up helping but there was like that evil jailer maybe but he wasn't really like the villain villainous he was just like your run-of-the-mill weekly goon <laughs> yeah i don't know it, uh, yeah though you're right it is kind of tough to sort of pin the villain uh on anybody in this episode they all sort of and they all kind of have the like yeah they're all, they're all kind of doing their own things and it fits in nicely but yeah there's not like somebody who's like directly evil i wouldn't say all right why don't we talk a little bit about the the cast and the characters next and um maybe we'll start with mr atos um what now there's multiple versions of him, and that is another silly thing that wasn't really explained in this episode. Like why there was what like three, four copies of him? Yeah, why? Uh, yeah, I know they didn't really <laughs> explain. Were um, they clones or were they androids? Androids, like again, and I just don't. I guess it's all just to kind of at the beginning of the episode, like in the teaser, for everybody to go whoa, whoa, whoa! Like there's so many of them. Yes. I don't get it. I, in my notes, I wrote, Atos keeps appearing. Are there more than one? And then later on, I wrote yes. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't but, get it. Well, yeah, I don't really understood the point. Like, I don't know. Did you like that, or did you think it was kind of dumb? I thought it was kind of dumb. Just, I thought that it was going to go somewhere, and then when it didn't, I was like, well, that was dumb. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty much the same. I just... Even at the beginning, I was like, but wait, why is there more than one? I was waiting for an explanation, and it just never came, and then... I think that if I'm, like, going to do, like, a bit of, like, you know, back, like, you know, retconning it myself, like, if you think of a world that has billions or millions of people on it, and you have, like, one person who's a librarian who can make the people go back through the portal then it will probably take like a whole bunch, you know what I mean? Like it's kind of like just a service, like one person servicing millions or billions, like wouldn't make sense. So maybe they made like a bunch of copies of this guy so he could do it. Um, but there's so many things that don't even don't make sense. Like even the thing, like Kirk takes one of the discs, he puts it in the machine and he's looking at the, where he goes back to, he goes through the portal and then that's where he ends up. Spock and Kirk, they had the disc, but they didn't put it in the little machine. They just put it like in the the side one. Like they just kind of put it like in the little mini viewer. And then no. when they go through, they go to the ice age. Like there's just so many things that don't yeah. make any sense, right? Like whatever. There's a million <laughs> copies of them. Yeah. Now the the name now the name is is uh, interesting. It's um, it's a bit of a wordplay, and I think knowing that it was written by a librarian, that should not come as a, any surprise. But the word play is, so the name is Atos, which is actually, um, like, you put all the things together of A to Z, right? And that's yeah. how they got came up with the name. Which, and you know what, that's kind of like a little cutesy, like, um, whatever, like a little Easter egg, maybe, for people who have, like, TV Guide at the time, or, like, for somebody who, like, wrote the name down for some reason and was like, oh, that's kind of funny. But again, why would a planet that's millions of miles away have a guy who has a name that when you translate it is like for the earth like alphanumeric alphabet you know like i mean maybe that, that's getting too nitpicky but maybe like you would think that another planet they would have like their own way of like organizing things and it wouldn't be the same alphabet as us maybe it's just a coincidence <laughs> that's a big coincidence i think it's an easter egg which i i kind of when i saw it i kind of i smiled 
Yeah, it's kind of a neat little, little piece of uh, trivia that you can uh, impress your friends with. That's right, exactly. Yeah. So uh, maybe next we'll talk a little bit more about Zarebeth, although we never got into this a little bit. Um, she she seems to be sort of a revolutionary, though. There's this like tyrannical leader, I can't even remember the name. Though um, she was like uh, she supposedly was, like uh, part of the assassination plot to kill. Yeah, so she seems to be sort of like this this revolutionary that got busted trying to do. Yeah, it, it was kind of vague, but I sort of got the uh, this, this the sense that she was kind of this you know revolutionary kind of person that was trying to rebel against this tyrannical leader that wasn't really explained very well yeah and i mean maybe that that could be kind of a, a product of the 60s especially since like at this point it's the late 60s rolling over into 70s maybe they were trying to make like a statement about like you know female empowerment kind of thing like you know this is somebody who like you know fought the power which makes sense of the time i suppose um interestingly enough that uh, actress mariette hartley i guess they had like a big uh discussion about like the outfit um like that leather bathing suit or like that leather <laughs> costume whatever it was um despite some of the other uh costumes that they had in the original series apparently like there was big contention on whether like they were actually going to show her stomach and more specifically like the navel yeah. and apparently like this was like a big deal back then and like eventually they like put their foot down the studio or whoever like somebody in a suit was like no like it can't be like that so this is like the outfit they came out this is again she's the most interesting part of the episode and it definitely adds like a sexiness to the episode that um i think that the original series did well and then actually you don't really see again like if you think about um the original series episodes like the orient slave girls and all this stuff like there is a sexiness to those 60s episodes that by the time you get to like tng and all the other ones like it's pretty much gone like that's kind mm -hmm. of an inch you wouldn't think that it would be the other way yeah. The 60s would be more conservative, and then it would get, you know, sexier and scantily clad as you went forward. But it's actually the opposite, which I thought was kind of an interesting observation. Yeah. Yeah, and we also mentioned that, like, sort of as her punishment, she was left in the past. And, I mean, they did kind of leave her the means for survival, but it was, like, bare essentials. Like, barely on, barely enough to survive. <laughs> like, a the bear like a bear coat. Like a bear coat, yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, let's move on to the prosecutor, which the, was the guy with the goofy wig. Um, he, he was also from the future and used the time portal to escape. Um, and we sort of talked about how that was kind of an interesting uh, idea of Kirk like coming back and meeting someone else. It's great. I, I love that. Meeting, like time traveling and meeting another time traveler is a great story like Spark. Yeah. yeah. Not used well in this episode, but... Could have been. Yeah, and it was kind of... They had kind of an interesting dynamic, because at first he was sort of reluctant to do anything, and then all of a sudden Kirk was able to convince him to like help him escape. And uh, yeah, it was, kind of, it was kind of a weird sort of change of heart that wasn't really explained. Yeah, you know, like, the fact that this one is written by like a librarian makes me feel like they were trying to do like too many different things they were trying to do like uh you know man versus nature like they're out in the cold and they've got like man versus man and they were just trying to like throw in all this stuff like oh 17th century and there'll be like a prosecutor and he'll be from the future too and like i think that i've said it too many times probably but like i think that that's kind of the big thing by the time they got to the whole thing where there's a revelation that he's a time traveler as well I was kind of like looking at my watch going like, when's this going to be done? Like I, I, they've lost me. Right. And that's just comes from making a story and writing a story that just doesn't have good flow. It doesn't have good, um, timing. And I think that, yeah, that by the time they got to that part, I was kind of, I lost interest in that, that, that specific part of it anyway, like the Kirk storyline, we said right off the hop, like it's the worst part. Yeah. I, I, I didn't find it very interesting. And, and like we've been talking about this whole, podcast is like the whole kirk thing was just bizarre and weird yeah and it was but not good bizarre and weird not like crazy zany weird where you like you can't wait to see what like insane thing they're doing next like you know they're all coked up and they're coming up with all these bizarro things it was just kind of like weird and just not really well done yeah 
Now, another thing I wanted thought would be worth uh, talking about was the friction between McCoy and, and Spock in this episode. It was just, it was very, I thought both of them, both actors did a really good, had a, put on a pretty good performance here because, like, it, it, it all, all the insult, like, throughout the series, if you if you watch it, like, McCoy's constantly, like, just taking pot shots at him, like, just little jabs, verbal jabs here and there. And, you know, Spock always just shrugs him off, you know, oh, you're being a logical doctor and all this, right? But now that he's sort of, as he's sort of slowly losing control, like, he reacts like the way that you would, like, expect, you know, a sort of really intelligent uh, person or, or alien to, to react to the little jabs, right? Like, he, like he as makes, he's getting more and more flustered. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He's, he's making all these, like, like, sarcastic comments, but they're smart, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I thought that was, I thought sort of the slow progression was just amazing, like really well done. Yeah, me too. I think that this is a, a, a good opportunity for Spock to kind of, you know, give it as much as he gets it, which you don't see very often. Like you said, it's always so one-sided. This was kind of like, and again, maybe because it's getting near the end of the series, they're like, you know what, we better, you know, give Spock an opportunity to like give it back to him, right? Because I'm assuming that by the time this episode aired, they must have known like it was done and dusted, I'm assuming. You would think so, yeah. I mean, so maybe months. they were like, you know what, Spock will like, go back, primitive mind, he'll like give, dish it back, and but he does, he's not all the way back, so it still has like a little bit of cleverness to it. I thought that was great. Yeah, and I mean, it eventually, I mean, you know, we talked about this already, like Spock eventually just like, like just goes after him like physically and yeah. chokes him and yeah. It's three years of pent up rage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I'm I'm sure McCoy could uh, uh, provoke a lot of rage uh, yeah. over three years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there's a few interesting little sort of production notes. Um, now this is a lot of the secondary characters don't appear in this. Like there's no Sulu, there's no Chekhov, there's no Uhura, and Scotty is not seen on screen. He there there are a few voice over lines, but but that's it. Um, that's you know I I assume that that's there's some budget reason for that. I mean that's yeah, and you know what I, I've said it before. And I think everybody knows that I'm like a big fan of like the big collaborative type things, and I I hate that that there's no there's no crew. You know, like yeah. the inter- the original series. One of the reasons why I don't like it as much as the other ones is that not everybody gets a fair shake. Right, it's always the big three, and I mean this is as good of an example as any where. They're not even, they can't even be bothered to show one scene of them in the bridge at the end, you know? Like, like you said, Scotty, I think, says, like, I'm going to beat me up or something. There's, like, one line. So, um, I, yeah, I, I really don't like when they omit people. I don't mind it every once in a while if it doesn't fit the story, but I, I really prefer having the whole gang together. So I didn't really like that so much. Yeah. Now, this is also the only episode in the entire series which in which there is no action on the Enterprise. It's all in the library or in the past. There's no scenes on the Enterprise. Yeah, and again, I don't like that either, right? No, I don't really like that either. I think that the the ship is one of the best parts about it, and even if you're not going to do it, I think that it's still better to set up that kind of establishing thing. Like, even the episodes, like the like Inner Light, they still have cruising along, then you go do a completely different thing, and you come back, you're on the ship, you know? Like, there, there's something about that that just kind of makes it feel, like, cozy, makes you feel at home, it makes it feel like, it, you know, it's familiar. If you're not going to start in the ship or end in the ship, then, I mean, you could just go and do whatever, right? Like, I think, I, I'm not a huge fan. I'm trying to think of any other, any other series do this where the, the ship is never shown. That's a good question. Um, I don't think I, so. I didn't really look into that. That would be an interesting one to but yeah, check I, out. I, I don't think so. I think this might be the only Star Trek like that they didn't have the, the ship in it, which is, just seems like a shame. It's kind of an interesting little piece of trivia, though. Uh, let's get into some, uh, you know, some memorable lines or memorable scenes. Uh, what do you? What, what's one of the ones that uh, you can think of that you, you liked? Um, let's see. I like the, uh, you stubborn, thick-headed Vulcan. I mean, I feel like we've probably gotten that one a few times throughout the original series. Um, I, I liked You Must Be Prepared, 
Mr. Atos says, you must be prepared. Yeah. Um, that one was all right as well. There wasn't really a ton of ones that I thought was crazy, crazy good. I think my favorite, just because it is a, like a librarian that wrote it and because I knew that, um, a library serves no purpose unless someone is using it. I think that's going to be my favorite line, um, especially since uh, it just kind of reminds me of this episode, you know? The yeah. whole thing is about being a library. How about you? Now, the, okay, there was a scene early on when, when they first encounter Mr. Atos, and, um, you know, Kirk, like, walks away from him, and then he suddenly appears, and Kirk goes, you're a very agile man, Mr. Atos. Just how many of you are there? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I want to know that question, too. Yeah, we all want to know the answer to that question. Um, and then uh, later, Spock has a really good line. I, at least I thought it was really good. He's, um, you know, McCoy was, was sort of um, not, you know, he, he'd sort of gotten sick from being out in the, in the cold right off the beginning. And, um, you know, Spock's sort of tending to him, and, and Zarebeth said something, you know, said something like, oh, how's he, how's he doing? And Spock said, you know, He's doing fine, and then blah, blah, blah. And then goes, uh, he's also known as the worst patient in the entire crew of the Enterprise. You know, just, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a good one, too. That was one of the first signs that Spock was uh, getting a little uh, crazy. Yeah, and you know what? Again, just really subtly. Just a real subtle little thing dig in there, which I liked. Uh, well, I think that's about all we uh, have to discuss. Uh, how about uh, we just sort of give our final thoughts and give it a rating out of five shiny library discs. Um, Andrew, shiny. how about you go first? I get to go first. Okay. Um, it's okay. Um, I thought that there was lots of good ideas, um, but they didn't do a good job of distilling it down to like either, they could have probably done five episodes in the with the ideas that they had here and they just tried to throw it all together and didn't really work. Um, I thought the Zerabeth thing was cool and the Spock thing was kind of cool, but the Kirk stuff just kind of wore me down and by the end, like I said, I was just kind of waiting for them to get back through. Um, I don't like that not everybody is there. I don't like that there was no ship. There was nothing on it, not even a like throwaway, you know, one scene where they all just stand at the bridge and look into the camera, which bothers me. Um, it's okay. I'm going to give it uh, two shiny library discs out of five. I think that's the lowest one I've given so far. So I probably won't be the last, obviously. But yeah, it, it was watchable. I'm not going to be rushing back to watch it again anytime soon. How about you? Fair enough. Um, overall, I thought it was decent. Um, you know, sort of having been going through the original series uh, in the last little while, I, I mean, I, I feel like this one's sort of like par for the course. Like, it was it was okay. You can get through it. It wasn't terrible, but there were certainly some uh, parts of it that I wasn't really all that... Uh, happy about. I mean, overall, I think it was a decent episode. The, the main sort of Spock story was was interesting and it was you know i thought it was well done um kirk's thing was like all over the place i thought it was pretty bizarre and pretty dicey um and you know it, it was fun to see spock show some emotion and and you know there are some other like brief moments in the series when he does that like he's you know like, like he gets sick or the, you know, mm -hmm. some strange thing happens to him and he'll like he'll like burst out laughing or whatever but his brain gets stolen his brain gets stolen <laughs> i just watched that one uh the other day but uh i mean i love this the sarcasm and the animosity towards dr mccoy as well so um i, I mean for that reason I, I i'm gonna be a little bit more generous than you i'll, I'll give this one uh three shiny library discs out of five all right very good We have now reached the uh, the point in the podcast where we're going to reveal uh, the next episode that we're going to look at uh, here on the Random Trek Review. So uh, I'm going to reach into the uh, the cowboy hat full of episodes, and I'm going to pull out uh, the next next episode we'll look at. And Andrew is going to have one minute to tell me everything he can about that episode. I get like uh, pointlessly nervous about this for whatever reason. It absolutely means nothing if I can't get it, but for some reason I feel like I'm like sitting down to like an exam. <laughs> Might as well be like in a gymnasium with a thousand chairs and like you know people chewing on fingernails and stuff. But yeah. whatever, let's do it. All right, I'm gonna reach in and uh, dig around a little bit and let's see what I come up with. 
All right, I have one here for you. Ooh, okay. Are you ready to... Uh... I'm about as ready as I'm going to be. Okay, this, uh, this episode is from Star Trek Voyager. Okay, Voyager. It is season four. Okay. Episode number seven. Episode seven, okay. The title is Scientific Method. Scientific Method. Alright, now if you're playing at home, uh, I'd suggest you uh, hit the pause button and grab some paper or, or maybe the notes app on your phone and um, see how much you can remember. Um, you might remember the story, you might remember some of the guest characters, some of the lines from it. Um, let's see what you can remember. And in the meantime, we'll see if uh, Andrew sort of Hmm. gathered his thoughts here about the scientific method. Uh, well, I know what the scientific method is, but I don't know what the scientific <laughs> method episode is. Um, so I'm just kind of putting together something that I... Okay, well, I feel like... I think I got a, I think I got a decent guess. I don't know the episode, but I think I know a decent guess. Alright, let's hear your decent guess. We'll put one minute on the clock, okay. and it will start now. All right, my prediction is is that in the teaser of this episode, they will come across some sort of problem. And I'm not exactly sure what the problem will be. If it's a medical problem, it'll be the doctor. If it's an engineering thing, it's going to be Torres. And if it's more of like a societal thing, it'll be Janeway. Um, and they won't have a solution to the problem. The first like two acts are going to be basically them trying a couple of different things out and having it not work. And then the culmination and the climax is going to come from the fact that they need to use the scientific method. And of course, the scientific method is going to be, you know, having to look at things in a way that they wouldn't have typically looked at it. And that will lead them to eventually getting out. And again, if it's a medical thing, it'll cure the illness. If the ship is stuck, it'll get the ship out. Or if it's an engineering thing, they'll be able to stop it. But it's all going to be kind of linked around the idea that the scientific method is the, you know, it works even if you're in the Delta Quadrant, and it's not just an Earth thing, it works everywhere. All right, that is <laughs> one minute. Um, I'm not 100%, I have an idea what this might episode be, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, I, this one's tough, because it's sort of like right in the middle of the series, and like, yeah. So the thing that, yeah, and the thing that's bothering me about this too, is that like, the reason why I went with what I went with was I was thinking, okay, so like the scientific method is that you have to like experiment on things and after you experiment on things, then you take that and then you build upon it, right? Mm -hmm. And then once you built upon it, then you like ask yourself like another question, you build upon it, you build upon it. So it's kind of like something that's, you're adding cogs to like a bunch of wheels, but it's Star Trek. It might have nothing to do with that, right? It's true. Like... It could be completely something different, and they've just used that because it sounds like a cool name. So, I mean, that's probably what will happen, because I'm terrible at uh, <laughs> this. But, you know what, I'm hoping that that's going to be the idea. The other thing that's interesting about it is that um, my wife has a PhD, and we're actually going through... Um, Voyager right now so I'm very curious to get to this episode because she probably will nitpick it to death if they don't follow the uh, scientific method to a T and dot the lowercase j so um, maybe I'll get her to watch this one with me you can skip ahead skip ahead a little bit Voyager doesn't really matter so much really all right well I think uh, that's it uh, for this podcast uh, thanks for joining us on Random Trek Review and we hope you'll join us next time on RTR as we take a look at Scientific Method This show is brought to you by Holosuite Media. Computer, list other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, Blast Shield, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast. I think we all thought Ransom was going to go into that fight scene.
thinking that it was game over before it even started and he was going to lose. But I think the moment he rips his uniform off, yeah. which is hard anyway to rip a shirt, but to rip an actual like jacket like that, mm. pretty impressive. And then he had like about, I don't know, I think it was like 62 abs. He just looked ripped and then he was just like, you know, a little bit of this, yeah. a little bit of that. I was just going to say, it was the way that he also narrated it. It was just perfect. It was great. Ransom definitely went to the school of Kirk Fu. Ransom Fu, maybe we should be calling it. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, The Voyages, a Star Trek original, animated, and Kelvin Films podcast. Full honesty, I did find that the scene was seemingly long when they were driving with him and, and Scotty to get to the Enterprise when they were in their little capsule. I felt that that was a very long scene, driving around the whole Enterprise. But find yourself someone in life that looks at you the way Kirk looked at the Enterprise. I mean, that was a beautiful moment. And I absolutely adored when Spock came back onto the Enterprise. Just how everybody on the bridge, like Yuhura and Chekhov and everybody, they just kind of rallied around him. And it was a really warming moment just to see that original core group of people just celebrate him and happy to see him. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.